Hi, everybody. Uh, this is Dr. Randy Bach. Today is December 7, uh, 2022, and I'm honored to have as a, a guest uh, briefly today, uh, Michaela Schippers, uh, who's a, a professor of psychology, and uh, she'll describe it a little bit more closely. Yeah, I'm a, a professor of behavior and performance management, actually, at the Rotterdam School of Management. And my passion is to let people shine and prosper, basically. Um, so in, with positive psychology interventions, for instance. Okay, so uh, we met in Denmark uh, in October, and uh, I was very much impressed with your efforts. Uh, would you maybe describe what they are and, and what your uh, ancillary goal, aside from uh, your major you know, professional, pro professorial uh, work has been? Yes. Uh, so what I actually do is um, I have a, a podcast. It's called a podcast. I think uh, <laughs> it's better pronunciation. Um, and it's called Follow the Science. And uh, so what we do is we talk with uh, scientists uh, who have a critical view on the current situation and also propose a better way forward. So that's really um, uh, what I'm doing. And also I started the Great Citizens Movement to make sure that people can have a say in their future and what they want uh, what kind of future they want for the world and for themselves. So that's basically. And I, I was very impressed with uh, your, your output as well, your, your articles you've written. Uh, would you like to kind of describe what your stance has been, what uh, has been your thrust, uh, your reception, uh, how things have worked out and, and what, what your you know, initial goal uh, was? That's a, that's a multi-part question. But so just tell us what your journey has been during, I guess, the, the, the COVID experience. Yes. Yeah, so what I did actually up to uh, until the COVID uh, crisis started, um, I made sure that students uh, did positive psychology interventions and it raised their study success by 22 percent. It also made sure they had they could follow their best possible self. But then the crisis hit and I thought this must have a lot of psychological consequences and economical consequences and, and all these kind of things. And that and I also felt at the same time that that was not something you could uh, mention and do research on but i thought it was still important to do and then i found out it was even worse than i thought so for instance i found out that hunger was a, a really huge issue so since 2020 hunger has doubled in the world but also uh, all the psychological side effects of people getting depressed getting anxious um, and getting a lot of thoughts of suicide and all these kind of things um, dramatically increased. So in the Netherlands, there was a research that 87% of the young people uh, two months into the lockdowns felt worse than before. So all these kind of things, I thought it's important to list. And then I found there was not an article at that time, uh, a scientific article. So I started writing it down. Um, and it's called For the Greater Good, the Devastating Side Effects of the COVID-19 Crisis. And I listed all those effects uh, and also made a model of how people deal with the crisis and um, all kinds of tactics that governments use for um, to make sure people uh, obey, uh, obey the rules, obey the new rules and all kinds of uh, yeah, new behavior that we had to show as, as, as yeah, people. And, and you went on to write some other interesting articles. Um, could you maybe talk about the one you wrote with Dr. Yanidis and, um, and what your, you know, how, how you connected, uh, what was the thrust and what was the ramifications or, or result? Yeah, the aggressive measures uh, paper was with uh, John Yanidis. Um, I wrote about 
basically that the inequalities increased dramatically. Um, so we, we um, found uh, over 100 articles that listed that um, basically access to food is, of course, uh, very uh, unequal, but also uh, economic inequality, gender, all kinds of inequality and new inequalities we cre were created even. And so we made an article about that and also um, showed that, um, yeah, this has devastating consequences and also has this downward spiral idea of um, a society going into uh, the wrong direction. Because um, a society that has uh, large inequalities also has more social problems, societal problems. Um, so from suicide to social unre unrest to name it and you got it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and. Did, did, what was the reception, um, both, I guess, in the intellectual community and then, I guess, professionally and then personally for you? Oh, that has a lot of consequences, actually, because um, this was not something you were supposed to say, because when I was researching it, I thought it was also important to make sure that it was made public. So I, uh, for the first time in, in my career, I sought out the, the press and I was... Uh, wanted to, to make this uh, public and I couldn't get it through. So I had to go to more alternative media. And then I got from my university, they didn't like me to go to alternative media and they didn't like me to speak out on this topic. Um, so I got a lot of backlash on that. Uh, and also personally, uh, yeah, a lot of friends uh, unfriended me and I gained a lot of friends also. That's, I must say, like hundreds. And actually my first... Um, public appearance uh, there in the Netherlands was 135,000 times uh, people looked at it. Oh, wow. And that's a lot, um, mm -hmm. especially for somebody. I was relatively unknown, uh, of course. Um, I did do some, some, some nice things in the past, like on superstition and sport and stuff like that. But yeah, this was, this was kind of uh, unheard of. And yeah, people were really happy with that, actually. That's really excellent. You know, I, I was very impressed with you. We had uh, some interesting discussions. We were at a, uh, a venue, um, a conference on the lack of scientific freedom. Yes. Um, do you feel as if there's a lack of scientific freedom? Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, actually, in the Netherlands, they, they are starting hearings now. And the common denominator of everybody appearing for those hearings are that they had backlashes from the university uh, and about scientific freedom. So I got four questions on why is this happening and why is scientific freedom not there anymore? And they didn't they didn't understand why that happened. But yeah, this is definitely um, an uptick. Of course, there was always uh, not total scientific freedom. Some topics were not um, yeah not handled very well, or you couldn't really um, write about that before the crisis started. But I think. I don't know, on this topic, you were not supposed to have another story than the official narrative, I think. And, and locally, are there still um, uh, kind of constraints on you professionally? And or, um, well, I'll just leave it up with that. I mean, uh, is the university treating you with praise, um, punishment, something in between? I think it's something in between because they realize there is scientific freedom and they're really struggling with this because at the same time, they are really concerned about their reputation. So they're constantly struggling with this issue. Okay, we have to say at least that we have, there is scientific freedom. And at the same time, we really want you 
not to speak out too much or um, so what I do is I um, discuss everything with the communications department. So every uh, outing I discuss first with the communications department and then they give me an advice uh, that can be positive or negative, depending on the outlet or which is which is not bad in a way, but at the same time, it feels like, yeah. And I, I say everything. So also this I'm doing on a personal title, which is actually normal because every professor speaks on a personal note um, mm -hmm. um, except when they uh, explicitly don't or speak on behalf of the university if you're a dean or something. So on a, on a personal basis, I know you have a young son. Um, how did he weather or fare during COVID-19? And so you can't run your own life twice. So we, we can't do this kind of counterfactual experimentation where we get to live through COVID and then we get to live the same 2020, 2021 without COVID. Um, what are your, your retrospective thoughts about that? And how, how, how was he and or his friends um, affected? Um, I think in, a, in, in the beginning, it was okay. He was very happy that he could stay home because he really liked it not to go to school. Uh, he was four by the time when they started. And at the same time, he got a little bit anxious. So I, I, he started to wanting to sleep in, in my bed and, and all these kind of things. He didn't. Um, and he had to, I made him in the beginning wash his hands every time he came in um, from outside. And then he didn't want to go outside anymore because he didn't want to wash his hands. And I was like, what am I doing, actually? <laughs> <laughs> it's more important that he goes outside and, uh, and plays and uh so I, I said, you know what, it's fine. You just do it when we eat or, you know, right. whenever I really think it's important. But um, and do they limit playground time? And I mean, in, in Australia, they closed the playgrounds. In California, they, they put sand on the skate parks. They, they you know, it's disabled. Terrible. It's terrible. Oh, no, they, they didn't do that in the Netherlands, luckily. Uh, and I have a big backyard. And I uh, every day uh, I started to jump with him on the... How do you say that? Tramp a trampoline? Yeah, trampoline, yeah. Yeah, I, we have a trampoline in the backyard. So uh, every every day at four o'clock, we well, jump to the What's the Dutch word for trampoline? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's your word for trampoline? It's the same, a trampoline. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. That's easy enough. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as far as friendships and so forth, did he, uh, you know, every kid is different. So it's hard to judge these things. But, um, do you, you know, going back to, say, your childhood and his, you know, are the friends together? Um, has, has there been like a, a fracturing of, of childhood relationships and so forth? Not for him, I think, uh, because uh, he made more friends because uh, he was playing outside in the neighborhood. So okay. he had friends like uh, uh, usually he goes to school and has friends there. And now he had temporary friends and also some some from school who live nearby. Um at the same time, I, I, for instance, went to uh, a demonstration for the first time in my life. I was asked to speak there. And then there were demonstrations in the Netherlands that were really, um, the police was really using a lot of force in the demonstrators because it, they said it was a forbidden demonstration. And so I went to uh, one that was called Women for Freedom. And I was asked as a speaker, so I discussed it with my university. But then um, I, at the same time, I was wearing sneakers under my dress because I didn't know what was going to happen because it was so insecure. And then my son asked me if I could be arrested there. 
and I was, you know, I always want to be honest with him, but this time I shouldn't have been honest because I said yes. And then he jumped into the bushes and didn't want to come anymore. And I didn't bring him to the demonstration itself, but um, he was uh, outside uh, with um, uh, other parents and kids that, you know. So, so what's, what's the compass and the motivator and the direction that keeps you? Um, I, I, th I kind of think there, you know, there are the, the you know, Hans Christian, Hans Christian Andersen's The Emperor's New Clothes story is, is a very, um, <clears throat> you know, kind of like uh, interesting paradigm and parable for our times. Mm -hmm. uh, what what has you um, you know become the the little boy in that story the truth teller the one who wants to point out uh, the things that are going wrong what 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 inside you motivates you and keeps you going and where do you get your strength oh that's a good question um, I think it all feels really unfair and I see the suffering so I've called that. Um, uh, it's it's like um, uh, in the military when people uh, get hurt like unnecessary. So mm -hmm. if people get shot like for, by friendly fire, so people there's it's called a moral injury. And I felt like a moral injury that I had to have this really strong drive to tell the world what's going on in this, and, and in the hope that people would realize that it was uh, not going in the right direction and we should change course. Okay, so... so that, that, that's interesting, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I know we're short on time. Um, uh, the question I was going to ask is, uh, you know, so many people were under the impression, I mean, if, if this, I, I always told people, if this were a zombie apocalypse, <laughs> you know, I, I get it. I, and, and let's say the zombies could spit anthrax at you and set your hair on fire with their, you know, dragon fire breath, you know, like kind of a, a mega uh, horror movie um, co combination. I get it. Yeah, I would I would probably dig a hole in my backyard, cover it with cement and put a straw out there and live uh, as long as I could. I, I get that. <clears throat> but but this wasn't so. But so many people still even today are wearing masks and still under this impression that the zombie apocalypse is being breathed fire by the, the you know, the Omicron version or whatever. Uh, how did you filter and get your news so that you didn't think this was the zombie apocalypse as it was happening? And, and what would be the, the, the message for people who did think that? And, and how would they, you know, we always hear about the Great Reset, but how would we have the kind of the Great Reset of people filtering and obtaining their news and information? Oh, that's a good question. I One of the things I want to do with the, um, um, with the Follow the Science uh, initiative is to show that there is another side of science that's being suppressed. Because a lot of uh, articles, I was trying to write my article and then I had to really sift through all those bullshit articles to be honest <laughs> yeah it sounds they 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 didn't make any sense there was no proof at all that there was um that the measures so the proof that i found was the measures are more harmful than uh, helpful and then i found out that the measures weren't helpful at all and i was like why are we doing this they don't help and it's 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 even very very harm harmful there's no reason whatsoever to to do them um, yeah, the zombie apocalypse is is, is uh, coming, but the, in another way than we think. I, I uh, I'm really afraid that we are heading for disaster in terms of hunger, uh, war, and and pandemics. But because of the measures, because we are trying to avoid, uh, but we are creating this. Yeah. Same thing you know, that my, my my my, um, my own version of the zombie apocalypse that happened is is. Um, that well, to use another analogy is the canary in the coal mine. 
I mean, it, it's a good and bad thing, depending on how you look at it. The only good thing is we noticed is how weak parliamentary democracy is uh, for yes. being swayed. You know how fish school, they all follow each other. I think we yeah. noticed that, you know, a lot of the places we thought were like, you know, kind of happy, happy places, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, they, yeah. they just went right overboard and uh, threw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm throwing all kinds of analogies out here. Um, and, 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 you know, perverted. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I, it's sad what's going on in, in communist China, but that's communist China. And, and it's like, you know, they have to kind of at some point, you know, change the regime or, or be changed by the regime. But these other places, which we all thought is like kind of happy democracies and whatnot, they fell prey to the same um, ethos and, and the same suppression. So, you know, my zombie apocalypse is the, is the abrogation of freedom, is the taking away of, of freedom. And it's so easily done based on, on hearsay and, and lack of, um, you know, kind of full investigation of the, of the facts and or misrepresentation thereof. Uh, so that's not quite a question, but, you know, so, you know, what's the filter again, I'm going to come back to my previous question. You know, how is it that people can um, get information and weigh things when in fact there's this huge ballast weight of say the mainstream uh, media presentation, mainstream public health, mainstream government, mainstream press. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people should look a little bit further and, and kind of ignore the mainstream media media because I have, I've stopped looking at that as a source of information because it's it's biased it's extremely biased information and of course all information may be biased and you have to weigh every kind of information that you get but at the same time i think you kind of feel or can have a feeling for what's right and what's not because if you look at these politicians they're not truthful it doesn't yeah it doesn't feel like it's truthful at all it never felt like that but now it's even worse right. so yeah there's a yeah, famous there's a there's a, a thing called Gelman amnesia. Uh, Murray Gelman was a physicist, and I think he won the Nobel Prize in physics. <clears throat> but he's he's known partially for this Gelman amnesia effect, which is when he would read you know articles in the newspaper about I don't know Afghanistan or I don't know cars or whatever. He'd take everything at face value because you know it's an article on something he doesn't really know about. But when he'd read something about physics, he'd say, Oh my God, this guy is getting it totally wrong, and he says. You know, if, if I'm reading this about physics and I know physics and I know it's totally wrong, probably the person who knows something about cars or Afghanistan is reading this and knows that that's wrong as well. But we forget that. So the amnesia part is that we take as tacitly true the authority voice because it's in a newspaper or on the press or whatever, as if they are telling the truth and have the whole story about that thing. Whereas if we were expert on it, we would be able to, to, to see that differently. But you know, maybe, so maybe, but uh, in these times, I always take everything upside down because if somebody uh, is labeled as spreading misinformation these days, I'm thinking, oh, what is he, this person <laughs> saying? Because I really want to know. And yeah. then I can weigh if that's because what is misinformation? Everything is basically information. We have this joke in the Netherlands that uh, when the Germans were try occupying the Netherlands, that sometimes uh, people would uh, give them wrong directions if they asked for directions. Yeah, that is misinformation. Yeah. But that is intentional and, you know, there's a goal in there. But, yeah, apart from that, I'm like, you have to weigh information yourself and, and right. feel if it's right or not. Or So, so I'm going to uh, just show for our audience one of your articles here. Uh, this is uh, from Tablet Magazine, uh, Saving Democracy from the Pandemic. And that's a little bit um, along the lines of what I was saying uh, previously, I, I recommend people go find this and um, I'll put a link up separately. And then you uh, mentioned as well, uh, one of your other, other articles, again, with Dr. Yanidis, uh, aggressive measures 
rising inequalities, mass formation during the COVID-19 crisis, um, <clears throat> an overview and proposed way forward. So I'm going to put links of these um, on our um, on our thread. Um, but uh, you know, the, 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 you, you mentioned the um, when, what's the word used the um, the, uh, uh, the mass um, mass formation. Maybe, maybe you could just uh, tell people what what you mean by that. Yeah, mass formation is actually popularized by uh, Matthias de Smet, and he is talking about that people uh, kind of um, yeah form a kind of a swarm-like entity where they all go into the same direction. Their ideas are very similar, becoming very similar, and there's a lot of let's say free-floating anxiety, and um, so all these uh, um, uh, characteristics uh, of of one. It's also very related to groupthink. So we all think together, but the individuals are not being discerned anymore because they have taken on a very similar, yeah, let's say, form. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a psychological phenomenon. Um, and there's there's many. I've described many of those also in this article, but I thought mass formation has become pretty yeah. well known and oh, uh, yeah. I can put all of them yeah. in the title. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a very deeply ingrained uh, you know, we th tend to think of ourselves perhaps as individuals, uh, but we lose sight of the fact that, you know, most every animal out there uh, works in groups. You know, mm -hmm. obviously ants and bees and so forth are, are they don't, we don't really think necessarily of them as individuals. They're part of some cell or whatnot. And, and animals, you know, herd, um, they group together and there's some power in that. I mean, a, a herd of uh, gazelles or whatever, more powerful against a, a lion and tiger than a single. Um, and, and fish school. And, and you know, I, I think that's, I always find that an interesting uh, double use of the word schooling. Um, yes. <laughs> we, we, think, we think that schooling is going to give us some independent basis of thought, but there's also the fish schooling part where we're all kind of being, you know, put into lockstep. And the, and the fish that doesn't school, you know, he's the one perhaps that, that the predator will, will grasp. So I think there are, are definite reasons for that. And, you know, we try to comb our hair in one direction. We, we like things to go in a certain way. And yes. I, I think there's, you know, again, well, no, actually, there's also a very uh, important pitfall that I'm writing about now at this very moment with Johnny Unitas also again. This is called the end mill, um, end mill. And that is that when ants um, are sometimes get caught up in a in a circle and they keep circling right. until they collapse and they right. even push out the dead ants. Um, yeah, and I've, seen, I've heard that analogy. It'd be an interesting article. You know, they, they, they... well, I'm still writing it, but <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm sure it will be. Um, you know, the, the poor, le I don't know if you know about the lemming, uh, the lemming is yeah. a yeah, yeah, yeah. small rodent kind of animal and he's gotten a bad name as, as suicidal. I mean, this whole concept because somebody from like national geographic type thing, uh, one of those TV type things, they, they took, uh, they basically falsified. It's basically the lemming theory is a misinformation. Mm -hmm. They put, they put a picture of lemmings jumping off some, you know, they, they had the camera angle such that it looked like these lemmings were all committing suicide by jumping mm -hmm. off a cliff or whatever. And mm -hmm. lemmings don't even do that. So not even lemmings. <laughs> no, they're seriously the lemmings. I mean, obviously, they would be crazy for them to do it. But but there is this possibility. So, you know, sometimes the person on the outside is able to kind of, you know, look at at, at the, the, the schooling of the fish. And and I think some of, uh, you know, I call it maybe a sentinel role or, or Cassandra yeah. and to yeah. speak out or the, the boy in, in the emperor's new clothes to point out what is going on. And there's a different reality. Um, you know, my big push has to be, been to kind of put the, the duality of the word science uh, out there. People think science is, is stuff 
that is true. And, and really science is, is two basic things. It's, there's, it's, there's that, you know, the thing we owe the science that's gravity and whatnot, but there's the scientific process, which is how we get things, which is always evolving. So when Newton was correct about Newtonian physics, he was correct, but then he got modified as time went on. So even the, the, the absolute uh, things that he could see, uh, you know, wound up changing. So, you know, the scientific process, you know, to question science is in fact science. That is the whole mm -hmm. nature of science. And I think people lose sight of that. Um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's really, you know, uh, commendable and amazing that, that, you know, you're not necessarily right in the, the, the mainstream of science per se, but you've had a, uh, this kind of good beacon, uh, sentinel, Cassandra, um, um, a truth teller aspect to your work. And that's, um, you know, been, I, for, I find it so admirable. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, very impressed by it. That's not a question. That's a compliment. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so what are the next steps for people um, to follow you and or to uh, benefit from some of the ways that you've been able to uh, assimilate and deal with information? I think it's uh, it's uh, follow the science.nl. Uh, they can they can see what I'm doing. I'm publishing it there. Uh, at the same time, uh, in the uh, Great Citizens Movement, um, I de developed um, a Letters to the Future challenge. So if you go to uh, greatcitizensmovement.org, uh, you will find Letters to the Future. And because I think we should use everybody's brain. And uh, if people, yeah, not just the brains of politicians and people who are, you know, in big pharma or anything and have like a lot of conflicts of interests, but I think we should uh, think about the good of humanity and the planet um, and people can make their own idea. It shouldn't be my ideas. I have a lot of ideas and I write them down, but if they write their own letter to the future, like for instance, think about the ideal world if there were no constraints and what will the, look, the world look like if we go on like this? Mm -hmm. And then you can think about, okay, what can I uh, uh, concretely um, contribute to this world? So make a plan for yourself, what you can do yourself. And if everybody or a lot of people do that, I think we can co-create a better world together. And that would be my advice. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to leave it there. I know you have other tasks uh, a little bit later in the day uh, over in the uh, Netherlands. And I'm uh, in your debt for having come on the show. Uh, we managed to work through a few uh, technical difficulties, which people can't see. So things came out really well. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, uh, if you look down in the comments section, uh, wherever this happens to be, hopefully there'll be a few links so you can follow uh, Professor Shippers. And uh, uh, I guess keep keep the faith and, and bring uh, better times. Yes, let's do that. Thank you, Randall. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. You can stay on. I'm going to say goodbye to everybody else. And uh, 